Is there a Nets and Suns trade to be had? Is this trade just permanently on pause? What can we make of what's happened this offseason with Kevin Durant with the request to primarily go to Phoenix? And the list might be short. Going to jump into this with Brendan Clean of the Locked On Suns. We're going to talk Durant. We're going to talk about what both teams are thinking, potential trade packages, why things may have stalled, why they may still get done, and why they may not. It's all coming up right here after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Network crossover show, Locked On Suns, Locked On Nets. I am Doug Norrie from Locked On Nets. If you're on that feed, that is Brendan Clean from the uh, Locked On Suns. If you are on that feed or if you're just over on the overall Locked On Network, wanted to get together for this podcast to talk about sort of what's been an ongoing and maybe will be forever going story in the offseason for the NBA, which is the will they or won't they trade of Kevin Durant from the Nets to presumably the Suns, who had been the odds-on favorite for a long time. Brennan, how's it going, man? It's good. Uh, I I have to admit, we're talking on July 21st. If you had told me this would still not only be going on, but be such a mystery at this point, I think I probably would have smacked you in the face on July 6th. So uh, yeah, we are, we are here, or I guess on June 30th, I should say. Uh, we are here and uh, it's going to be fun to, to go back and forth on some of this stuff, but I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't say that I'm happy that it is still going on at all. Even one way or the other, even if there's no trade at all, I'd rather just know. And that's the frustrating part of it right now. Yeah, the uncertainty has been sort of like the same levels of uncertainty for a long time. It feels like at this point, um, I agree with you that not much, while it feels like there's been many ground shifts during this time, in the reality, not much has happened here. <laughs> like it's, it's time it seemed like a foregone conclusion at times it seems like, you know, maybe wishful thinking. I've been called I've been it's been called copium for me many times <laughs> in my mentions around whether Kevin Durant's going to stay. Where where are you? I I'll I'll give you my opinion on it, but where are you right now? Like how much like how you know, I guess you alluded to it a second ago that you were really confident maybe, you know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago about Kevin Durant coming in a trade to the Suns. Where do you stand now? Like did the eight and signing you know, change that at all? Did like reporting change it at all? Are you still there? It sounds like maybe not, but where are you now with like a possible trade that I agree with you for a while felt like this is all going to happen because in the current NBA, this is just kind of what happens when superstars have a destination picked out. Yeah. I don't think the Aiton thing dissuaded me uh, all that much. I think for the most part, the fact that Aiton went back to the Suns. The only reason that I think that would change my view on the KD stuff is it just gives the Suns a little bit less flexibility. Even if, even if Aiton, it sounds like, was never going to go back to the Nets in a trade, and that was out there from almost the beginning, there could have been opportunities for multiple teams where Aiton still could have been involved. So not having that tool in your tool belt, I think, you know, if it is it 5-10% less likely as a result of that, maybe 15-20, I don't know. I don't think that it flipped me to they're not getting Kevin Durant. I don't know if anything has flipped me to they're not getting Kevin Durant if I'm a if I'm a Suns fan, but I think the the thing that I'm struggling with now is are we just turning ourselves in circles 
because there's nothing out there? Or has there been a substantive change in the likelihood of a trade? Like, are we actually seeing the Nets change their minds or have they always kind of been in this same position and it's just going to take something big to get them there? And that was always the case, right? Like, it doesn't sound like they were really serious about some of the things that have been out there. I'm not sure if like the cat plus Anthony Edwards thing, there's been disagreement over whether that was actually something they asked for the LeBron plus Anthony Davis nonsense point being it always has felt like the nets were asking a lot. So maybe they've just been dragging their feet this whole time. Maybe it was either never likely in the first place, or it is still extremely likely. I know I'm kind of talking in generalities here, but I guess I don't think anything has really substantively changed. So you ask me how I feel now. I don't feel that much different. I don't know. I don't know what's going on in any of those folks heads. So I don't have the answers, but I guess I just, the fact that we've heard Brian Windhorst or Adrian Wojnarowski just kind of go, yeah, maybe they'll keep them. Like, I don't, I'm not convinced. I just think it's still a long way till training camp and Nobody really has an incentive to do anything in the short term and we'll just have to continue to watch it. Does that make sense? I don't I don't think anything has been is different now than it was really on July 4th or 6th or 8th or 15th. Yeah, I, I actually tend to agree with you on almost all those points. And I think that you're right. I don't think anything of substance has changed here. I don't think that I don't think I think there's probably there was probably some loose offers either floated or just kind of like I don't think anything got back to the you know I'm going to pass you a number across the table thing here and you can let me know I think it was just kind of uh, feelers and stuff like that would be my guess none of it felt all that close for either side right like hey we want Booker or something like that and their sons are going to say no I'm making this up but this would be, be I suspect what would be like the introductory pieces we want Booker sons say no you know sons offer bridges and they and the nets say no let's just like let's start there it's like a high level right i i can see something like that happen and both sides scoffing at that i do i and i agree with you where like we probably haven't gone through any major change it's to me the difference is i guess we just probably started at different places so when you're grounded in different things like you let's say you and i started at different places with the whole thing i've been of the mind that the nets probably would feel comfortable playing a, like a slight game of chicken here with durant in a way that other teams haven't like with like, let's say Anthony Davis or Kawhi's a little bit of a different scenario or, you know, Harden two years ago and then Harden a year ago. Um, like these situations all rang a little different to me. And so when I thought about those, it never seemed to me all that likely even to begin with, even though betting markets would have told me I'm wrong and history has proven me wrong time and time again with this kind of thing. But in thinking about, where the two sides were, the amount of years Kevin Durant had left, the the Nets can't go into the tank. These other pieces that just kind of were made a little different than any of those other scenarios. I've always kind of been on the mind where the Nets were just simply not going to bend over backwards to make something happen if it was 50 cents on the dollar, 75 cents on the dollar, because they don't have to. And they and there was a part of them that was kind of saying, hey, we're going to rewrite history a little bit here. Every, this has not worked out for every other team that's done this. And we're just in a different situation with KD and we'll try to bring him back and we'll see if we can like make amends. Does that make sense? Because I think I agree with you on not having changed my opinion, but my opinion just started in a different place. Yeah. And I think that 
you know, us kind of messaging here and there and, and seeing how you and Adam felt about this just on clips of your show and on your social feeds. Like I, I, I felt like we were in a different spot, probably yeah. not a, an incredible surprise being that uh, whether we would call ourselves like out and out fans or not, I think we obviously kind of want to see the team that we cover do well. So it's, it makes sense. Hey, it would be great if the team that we, uh, that we cover had Kevin Durant. So maybe we're, maybe we're a little bit biased in terms of that stuff, sure. but I do think you bring up an interesting point and it's a question that I have for you, which is you mentioned why the situations are different. And I fully get that. Like, you know, Katie being a little bit older, having just signed this extension, not having a player option. So it's a straight four years and <clears throat> the lack of incentive to tank. If you're a Brooklyn, I, all that stuff, like we've all thought about uh, in circles here, but are this, are the Nets just taking advantage of Kevin Durant? Um, not being the type that they expect would sit out or make this ugly. Cause that's kind of where I'm at with this now is if they're truly thinking about bringing him back, is that just them almost daring him to pull a Harden in Houston or to pull a, a, an Anthony Davis in New Orleans? And hey, we have no reason to believe that you're the type of guy who's going to drag this into the mud. So we'll just have you back and you might be miserable, but we feel like you're going to play. So see you in October. Like that feels like what they're kind of saying with their actions right now. Yeah, that's definitely really interesting. I'm going to, I'll get into that here in a second. Going to tell you about first our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online, the number one source for all of your betting needs. The easiest way to check on all the odds and props that you need. Right now, if you go to Bet Online, Suns plus 750 to win the championship from the fifth overall. Uh, and they also just came out with their win totals 52 and a half. Real quick, Brendan, 52 and a half over under right now, Bet Online. That's right where it was last year, and I felt like it was crazy. I I, I just feel like they're going to be over that. They won 12 more games in that last season. They'd have to get so much worse to go under. I don't know why they keep getting uh, under under respected. They got to hit the over. You got to go to bet online right now. Take advantage. I'm right with Brendan on this one. Kind of Durant or no Durant? I think you're de- definitely there. No Durant. If they still think you're there, maybe bet online made a little mistake. That's all. That's all right. That's why you go to betonline.net. They got you covered for all of the odds you need. Go check out all the new stuff they have going up. Uh, over the offseason for NBA, obviously going to be crushing it for NFL as well. You head on over, you use your mobile device, you learn about all the trends, all of the action, bet online where the game starts. Yeah, the Durant thing, that's a really interesting, and I think I probably have in some way thought this without actually directly thinking it, right? Because I don't think I've ever had the active thought, oh, hey, Kevin Durant, I've seen it, I guess, but I've never really lent it a lot of credence or just not, that has never been like the top four reasons why I don't think they would do it, but I think that I think what you say is actually probably correct in a lot of ways and organizationally not the worst tack to take because Durant, while Mercurial at times, it's not really anything about like basketball. It's mostly just going at people on Twitter and kind of just wanting to, you know, wanting to cement some kind of legacy or pushing back on, you know, people throwing him shade online and stuff like that. But it's it's never basketball stuff. And he he's definitely not the guy who would like pull a Harden in Sacramento last year where it was like, Hey, we just rolled this body onto the court for, you know, 35 minutes and then rolled them off and he did nothing. Right. And so he just, I don't think he has that in him. So, but I think that the Nets wouldn't be wrong in thinking that because this is exactly why you signed a 30, you know, an an aging Kevin Durant to a five-year contract, because you know, you're going to get this guy come hell or high water for that amount of time. Right. This is, 
the whole goal of the NBA, when you really boil it down, is to have a guy like Kevin Durant on your team. You can't win without, like, you can't really win the championship, or it is very difficult to win the championship without having one of this top class tier of guys, right? Maybe you can get close, you know, but if you don't have one of these top, like, surefire eight guys or whatever you want to put the list. The list is pretty short. You basically have needed one of those guys over the last decade to win the championship. Durant is just one of those dudes. So at that point, if you know you have one of those guys, you know he lives for basketball. He's not. He just doesn't have a tank in him. He, he could not do it. While I have not thought about that, I think you're totally right in suggesting it. And I think they would be correct in thinking that because – Hey, we made a long commitment. Look, I know teams can trade guys whenever, so I'm I'm not going to make a huge stand on like pro ownership here. <laughs> um, that's not the hill I'm prepared to die on, but they would be correct in that thinking unless the package was overwhelming because if he is still a net come the preseason, I agree with you. He's just not going to sit out. I, it, I'd be shot. I'd be floored. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about plenty of stuff. Sometimes just tweeting it out there makes me wrong. But like, I, I think that this situation, like you said, kind of will play out that way yeah it's it's obviously a fascinating question right it doesn't it's never happened until it happens so I agree with you and I think something I've been emphasizing on my show is he has always fallen back on the idea that he's never demanded a trade right when you see him go at it with fans sometimes or media members that criticize him so much he said that a lot of I don't know what I did that makes you so angry considering I waited out my contract each time. I chose a new team. They signed me with their cap space and I tried my best to win with them. This is a departure from that already for him to even ask for the trade and have it get made public the way that it did. So that's already a first. Um, who Maybe a, another first could be coming that he does decide to make this ugly. He doesn't really have any incentive to do that in the short term either until, you know, if it gets to be training camp or just before, like we saw with Harden and Houston, and they still have not moved on it, then you maybe things change. But I guess where I'm coming from, if you, if you kind of assume that in some part, that's why Sean Marks in the Brooklyn front office is handling this the way that they are, is they just don't think Durant's the type of guy to do that. Maybe that's true, but I, I guess you said at the beginning of all of this that you thought this was a little bit different, this situation. I don't know if any of the, the differences between this situation and the Anthony Davis situation or any of the others is able to, to I guess, eliminate the bottom line of, you know, when these stars want to be somewhere else, it's pretty hard to convince them that the current situation is good enough to come back to. I guess I just wonder why Kevin Durant wouldn't make a big fuss. What about what's happened in Brooklyn is so different now than it was three weeks ago when he asked for a trade in the first place. It still doesn't feel like Kyrie Irving is going to be a net two years from now. It still doesn't feel like that team, uh, you know, necessarily has the level of cohesion and, and understanding. I mean, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but nothing's, come out that they've had some sort of heart to heart with either of those two superstars. So why would Kevin Durant be amenable to coming back? Why would he play nice? Why would he not say, Oh, actually my calf hurts on opening night. I don't actually think I'm going to be available. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to play basketball tonight or 
go do an interview or leak out to Woj or whoever that something is continuing to be wrong, that he doesn't still want to play there. Like, I guess if you believe that they would bring him back, you also kind of have to believe that he would play ball with that. And I just don't see why he would. I don't know that that means he'll be a son. There's a million other possibilities between him being a son and him being a net. But why would he want to continue to be a net? I guess he doesn't need to want to, but we've never seen that. We've never seen the, no, we're not going to trade you. And, oh, and then everything was good. And two years later, they won the title and happily ever after. That story's never happened. So this would be a genuinely unprecedented situation, even if we all agree that they seem to be going in that direction. To get that far and continue it and have it actually be good would be pretty crazy. That doesn't really happen in the NBA. And I think the only real example of it was like Kobe, but there was also inst- there was also organizational like timeline on that that was totally different. He had been there his whole career, so I, I actually I, I've seen. I'm only throwing it in there because it has been compared. I've done it myself, and I'm also willing to admit that it's a, still a very different situation. He'd been there his whole time. It was it was a di- it was a totally different thing. And so, I guess you could like, say Damian Lillard, right? But he never personally publicly asked for a trade. There was just the rumors, and now things yes. seem to be okay. But it's also different. Damian Lillard's not as good as Kevin Durant. And I think one thing that actually hits that something you said about Durant, which I think is correct. And actually, if, if I'm going to if I'm going to make a, a counter to my previous argument, which is that, like, I think that they'll stay. Well, you actually said two things. One, how dare you question like the availability and consistency of the rest of the Nets guys? Ben, ben Simmons, Kyrie, these guys are like, you know, concrete. <laughs> like, But no, I don't think that he it'd be very it'd be very weird to think that anything has changed. And it might be just an indictment of those two guys too that he asked for the trade. Like he took a look under the hood and said, "I there's this is this can't really happen here." Whatever. That's that's you know, I'm making that up sort of, but there's been nothing to suggest that everything is like hugely hunky dory between all those guys. Another thing that you said actually did actually hit with me too was that you know you mentioned he you know he stood on the on the back of never having done these other things in his career, which is correct. Except now he's done it, right? So now when you've done it. And you've and you kind of like op- like let the cat out of the bag. It's going to be really hard to get it back in there in any functional way. So now that you've kind of already gone there with the trade, why not just go all the way? Because I can see Kevin Durant thinking to himself, "Well, I tried it the other way. I tried it. I tried going to Golden State legacy, like you know, in terms of how it was received, that didn't go the way I wanted. I tried this Brooklyn thing to kind of go here on my own. This has not really worked out the way I suspected. At that point, I'm here for five years, but I, I really can't see that as palatable." At that point, now that he's kind of asked for the trade, well, I mean, he never came out and said it. It's been reported. So I mean, he, he, he asked for it, right? So we, we, we know that to be the case. Um, but now that he's done it, he has done that. Like, he's beyond the Rubicon with that. He's already done the thing that he had never done before. So now, why not just take it to the whole way? And actually, that part of it does poke holes in my original piece, which is that he would come back and play ball. Because if, he's never, if he had never done any of these things before, and now he did it, then he probably is willing to do other things that he had never done before. And this would be just the next logical step in that. So now I'm actually starting to feel bummed again because I think you are, uh, <laughs> I think you're not, I think you're not all, I, th- I think you're correct in that piece of it, in that it, we can't, it's very difficult in one way to stand on the back of history when it comes to the superstars, but also in the same way, it's hard to stand on the back of the history of what happened with Kevin Durant because I think a lot of that stuff is sort of off the table at this point. And that's why it was all so crazy in the first place, right? It's just so unprecedented. It's a genuine, like, top 15, top 20 ever player. It is 
in in the the tail end of the career, which is not a time when usually we hear these trade demands in the middle of a second contract. That's kind of the blueprint in the NBA, right? The second, maybe the third contract, but it's I I committed, I tried, it didn't work, I want out. But we don't see it in in players mid thirties, and we also don't see it with players as good as Kevin Durant. But then the piece you just hit on players who are so um, public with everything that they think. And so we do have this weird, we feel like we have, I should say, this background with KD. We feel like we get him in in some sort of way. Or like you you and I can go back and forth. Would he he throw a fit? Would he be be a a malcontent? Would he this or that? Because we feel like we know. um, And that's unique too. And there's also... You know, when you're talking about what would he do, how would how would he approach, you know, making life miserable for the Nets if he wanted to do that? His Twitter feed has become a pretty darn powerful tool, right? Like, oh, would yeah. it surprise any of us if we woke up sometime in the next week or two and all of a sudden there's a KD tweet going viral where he's like, uh, "Screw you at Joe Sai or something"? Like, I don't think it would be un. I don't think it would be a unexpected or or completely out of the box for that to happen so yeah I guess the part that turns me in in in, into a pretzel a little bit here with this stuff to maybe make you feel a little bit better because I definitely don't feel like I you know I'm not trying to convince anybody this is going to happen I'm just as confused as everybody because the part that I then fall back on is why has it not happened yet yeah well, actually, well, let me ask you that. Actually, that leads to, a, to this, actually the next question I wanted to ask. And I will say real quick before I ask it, you're totally right about Durant having his own, like he kind of has a vertical now at this point, like between Twitter, he's got a podcast, he's got the boardroom, he's got a bunch of other stuff, like sort of new media pieces. Yeah. yeah, no, he has a bunch of new media pieces together. He's been working this way. He's invested in a lot of different stuff that like ha- is going to have his back for different things. Like he has it's not exactly like the vertical on this, on the media piece, but it's like pretty darn close when it comes to the NBA, an NBA player. So I, I'm with you there. Like he doesn't need to be beholden to whatever other narratives are there. And what's clearly the case, even in a public sphere, is he's very comfortable with where he is. Like he has no problem pushing back on anybody that doesn't seem to agree on like where he is in terms of what he thinks his arc is. So like, if you, and if you follow him at all, you can just see it. It's like, it's he's never come out and said it, but everything he says lends a very clear notion that he if he you say something he doesn't like he will have no problem spending some time with you (laughs) to tell you to tell you what okay (laughs) let me ask you this though in the terms of why it hasn't happened i actually think the real reason it hasn't happened is just because the packages don't line up right so i I think that that's more more than anything i and, and the other one difference i would say between like an ad piece even hardened to some degree um and these other trades that we've seen in the past for the most part Kawhi is a little bit different because he was a kind of a complete question mark coming out of San Antonio at the time. Uh, but you want to throw like Paul George into that mix because they had to have it done, even though he didn't request it. I'm just trying to think of like the blockbuster trades, Bucks going after Drew Holiday, stuff like that. I, I tend to think that the biggest reason among all of them is that the Suns just don't have the package that is enticing enough. So, and this is one thing I've I've tried to suss out in terms of those people that like you know people that follow the Nets, even fans. I think because I've had a million Suns fans in my mentions over the last couple of weeks, um, asking like, what is the trade? Like, if you were to do it right now, one, do you think there even is a one-to-one trade that the Nets could realistic? I'm, and I'm trying to use this word very carefully, realistically accept. And then two, like, do you think it would absolutely have to necessitate a third team? 
getting interested? Like, had there been too many other moves already? Like, has the ship sailed, especially if a Donovan Mitchell thing happens here? Like, so I guess I'll just rewind. Like, do, what is it? Like, a, is there a realistic package that you see the Suns have now, even for just a one-to-one thing? And then, yes. Or if not, like, what other avenues do you think could be taken? I think the Suns package is the the palatability of the Suns package is dependent on what else is out there, right? Like, I don't think in a vacuum, if you were to have said on June 30th, Kevin Durant will be traded and the package is going to be Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Dario Saric, and seven, you know, pick or pick equivalents, which I've seen Suns people saying they can't swap picks. They could work it where it's the Nets get the second best of the Rockets' Nets and Suns draft picks. So people yes, seem that's, to be confused on that. Yeah, that's definitely, by the way, I'm just going to parrot that. that. That's definitely true. You can, you, it, it just goes into a sliding scale of like where yeah. the picks get swapped. The Rockets it's, it's, get it's, the this, best one. The Nets yes. would then get the second best one Correct. and the Suns would get the yep. worst one. That's how that yep. would work. So if you were to tell me that was the package on, on the day that KD asked out, I think it would sound incredibly underwhelming. My question to you is, you know, it doesn't sound like Scotty Barnes is an option here. It doesn't sound like Brandon Ingram is an option here. If you're looking around the landscape and you put yourself in Sean Marks's shoes, what's the best realistically out there that's been reported or that could theoretically, you know, come up? What's the best one to you? Because I just don't see, I think this is why the Suns are comfortable playing the long game here too. You talked about a game of chicken. I think to them, it's like, if you can manifest a package that has a better player or a better couple of players than ours, go get it. But where yeah. is that? I don't know what it is unless you're in love with OGN and OB or you're in love with, I don't, I, I don't even know what the next best one would be. Yeah. So this is where I agree with you. I, this is where the Rudy Gobert trade. And we talked about this in our podcast came at like the worst possible time for both these teams, frankly, like it, it for, for any hope of this getting done, that trade getting put on the books in some ways, not maybe a hundred percent, but well, probably to some percentage submarine the chances of this a little bit on just on optics alone. That trade was so overwhelming. It was a player that was up there in years. There were so many picks like there were players and and of a player that was clearly of a lesser stature than, than Durant, right. To a tanking to a team that clearly wants to tank in Utah. So the, the, there was differences in the trade, but once that trade went through, it did kind of, at least for the short term, reset the market on what the value of these guys is. And I think that probably to some degree, I wouldn't be shocked if both of them, both the Suns and the Nets looked at that trade and said, well, that stinks because that's going to be pretty hard to replicate <laughs> from some of the other teams that are left. And it's going to be really hard to sell fan bases and ownership and all this other stuff on a lesser package after that. Um and to the point where I was like, I think they would have accepted that deal possibly for Durant, like that, 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 that go bear deal, like something sure. like that. Or like, and like D'Angelo Russell, instead of one of those, one of those other guys or something like that. Anyway, sure. point being, I think that that kind of threw things uh, askew. I think without that trade, the bridges Johnson one would not have been enough, but at least would have been getting something close. But I still think like the net situation is just so much different than some of these other teams. Those other teams were happy. You know, the, the, the Pelicans were happy to go into the tank for a guy like Zion, right? Like that was kind of on the table. Um, the, uh, who are some of the other ones? So the heart, the Houston was ready to go in the tank. Jazz were ready to yeah. go in the tank. Yeah. Like those teams, the Nets just Thunder. can't do that. Yeah. And frankly, 
the Suns picks are going to stink forever because they're going to be good for so long. The, the Suns are going to be just even if they even if they jettison Paul and Durant, if you were to come, just having a baseline of Booker and Aiton means they're going to be very good for years, right? So this these picks are not are not all that enticing ever. Like you could tell yourself a story with the Nets picks for Harden. Hey, these guys leave in two years. These picks are going to look awesome, right? And it's actually very close to being that being that way for Houston. You cannot tell yourself that story with the Suns, and so because there's almost no world where they're bad. And I said even if Chris Paul retires and Kevin Durant gets hurt. Like they can withstand so much right now, even getting rid of those, those wings that you mentioned that they're going to be good for so long. The picks will never be good. They'll never be good. Like for the next six years, they're not going to be good. And, and that's where I just don't think it's good enough. And, and, and this is all what wraps me back to it is to say the best option the Nets have is probably to not accept that package and to just hope that they can make something work. Like this is again, what always drives me back to this piece is that, I just don't think like seven picks and those two guys. I just don't think I'm seven Suns picks and swaps or whatever. The swaps they would lose every time. Like the next pick will always be better. <laughs> the next pick will almost always be better. They'll never swap them. And so I just don't think they would ever take it. And that's kind of where I land. And, I, and we can wake up tomorrow and they're like, hey, they, un- they, they unloaded everything and did it. And I wouldn't be shocked, but I probably would be disappointed if, it w- if that was the baseline of a trade because it's just not. I'd rather just I'd rather risk it on a guy who's like a top four player right now when he's healthy. And Mikhail Bridges at best is like what like a top twenty five at very best like a top twenty five probably top yeah, thirty player probably and not so, even that. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I'm trying to be super complimentary <laughs> of him right now. Um, it's I don't You're making think it's my argument that. for me. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's kind of where I that's that and you said like getting wrapped in a pretzel. I'm kind of there too. But when I unwind myself from it, that's that's like the only really thing I can kind of come up with. I think that logic is in agreement with you. I think like they, the Nets shouldn't in a vacuum, it would be pretty dumb to take that package. Right. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, on, on the one hand, like if, if Ben is going to be there and, and play next year and you know, that's a piece of at least the 2023 team, I do think a group on the floor of Ben McHale and Cam Johnson is pretty cool. I think like that's, it's not like you're just taking this embarrassing thing that you're like not even wanting to, to put out on the floor for yourself. Right. But it's, it's not the centerpiece of, it's not Shea Gilgis Alexander. Right. That's what the, that's what the thunder got back in their trade for yes, just Paul yes. George. And and obviously yeah. Kawhi was involved, but they didn't even care about the Kawhi part. They still got Shea. So, you know, I think it doesn't hold up to those other things. I think to answer your question too, just to clear that part up the three team, the third team thing, I don't see a team elsewhere around the league that would be so moved to get Mikhail Bridges that it would open up some new avenue for this, especially if Donovan Mitchell goes to New New York as is expected. He would have been the only wrinkle there that might have changed my mind, but it, it seemed like he got angled toward the Knicks so quickly that I just don't think he's going to end up factoring in. Um, so, yeah, I think it's totally reasonable that, you know, logic would indicate the Nets would not do that. But if the only other option is to do the unprecedented and truly try to hold on to this guy who's well-respected around the league, who has pretty large amount of sway, or, you know, in terms of what he says is news, other players really respect him. Um, he's great. And to, to really go out on a limb and say, we're going to be the first team to do this with this guy 
And we're going to basically punish him by making him come back. And even though everybody will know he doesn't want to be here and kind of embarrass ourselves in that process, I just, I will believe that when I see it. Just like I'll believe Kevin Durant throwing a public fit when I see it. That would be pretty surprising. But I guess maybe I buy that being a possibility more than I buy the alternative of Sean Marks and Joe Sy doing the unprecedented. I also, and this is not something we need to go into. I know we're, uh, we've already filled a full show here, but I'm just not so sure that Sean Marks has the green light to do something so gutsy like that on behalf of the entire franchise. You know, at the beginning of all this, you heard Joe Sy wants to just get this nightmare over with, and he would be fine to take a team that can just be respectable, competitive, and give them a restart. I don't think that's changed. And I don't know if Sean Marks has somehow earned some sort of huge benefit of the doubt that would make Joe Sy say, yeah, do what needs to be done. If this becomes a public embarrassment for us, I trust you. Why would he say that to Sean Marks? I don't really think that makes sense. So I don't know. I think logic is on your side. I think precedent is kind of on the sun side. And I don't know where this ends up. I think you summed it up perfectly. Logic versus precedent. And that's, I think, why we've kind of reached this weird stalemate. And that's probably actually why this whole thing's at a stalemate, frankly. <laughs> like, I think that that's, it's, it's those two competing ideas. Um, yeah, I think we're going to, there's a chance that we jump back on together here. If something else happens over the summer, um, I think there's probably some you know, very realistic chance we're talking again, just because of all the, the reasons you sort of outlined. That's Brendan Clean. I'm Doug Norrie. Thanks for uh, jumping in here. Locked on Suns, Locked on Nets. We'll be back next week talking more NBA basketball.